With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Are we recording? Yes, sir. Welcome, everyone, to the Rink Rat Report podcast. Today is Tuesday, June 28th, the official last episode of the 2021-22 season. As playoffs are now all done, as always, joined by Josh and Jason. The longest season ever. 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 Wow. Officially. Like, first game of the regular season like not even first game of the regular season i guess this the the actual like off season to now it's been like a full year yeah over like, this I is think, right? yeah think, this is yeah. <laughs> it's been an absolute bender but guess what like we're here next season starts in like a day oh yeah draft <laughs> is coming up on Ju- july 7th it's coming very very soon draft is july 7th free agencies july 13th right not a lot of room to breathe here. The Valerie Nichushkin sweepstakes. <laughs> did you see his foot? They posted on Instagram. Yeah, he, he posted. Did you see his other post on Instagram? No, what was it? He had a, a championship belt, like a, a, a wrestling belt, and uh, nothing else. Really. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny the next day after the, the Stanley Cup win to, to search up like oh, the players that won and try to see like some inside kind of stories. Sort of thing. Um, Eric Johnson had a couple good ones where he, he woke up with the cup. I guess he slept with it. Uh, Nachushkin had a couple good ones. Uh, Johnson had one in the dressing room. They were singing Dancing in the Moonlight. That was pretty cool to see there. Um, I think that was really it. Jamel Smith last year like and, and Dan Milstein both gave us a really good in, uh, inside look into the cup, like the win, the parade the next day and everything. But uh, not as many on the abs, unfortunately. But Yeah, I do? mean, they looked happy, though. They looked oh, yeah. like that was a lot of players on that team that had never won the Stanley Cup. I like the majority of the team. It was all new guys, right? We've seen in the yeah. past like the past couple of years, Tampa. It's the first time, I guess, different. But, you know, last year was a lot of the It was like guy. Burakovsky, which is kind of under and the Darren radar. Because, yeah. And Darren, Hel- Darren Helm oh, won the cup God. like yeah, a long time ago. 14 years ago. Yeah. Legit. I mean, I mean, did he even play that? I don't even know if he was like a full regular on the Red Wings yet before, at that time. Yeah, I don't. He know. was pretty young. Oh seven, oh eight. Yeah, that was he his played first year games. in the playoffs. Yeah. Okay, he played seven in the regular season that year, so he was just coming into the league, kind of thing. And Literally then, fourteen years ago. That's crazy. And I swear, Burakovsky was traded like that off season. Yeah. yeah. So pretty easy to confuse. Like, oh, like. Did he even win it with the team, or was he shipped out by that point? Some good, you know, Eric Johnson, Cogliano. Those are Mm -hmm. great to see from Woodbridge. Andrew Cogliano. Andrew Cogliano from Woodbridge. What a career he's had, too, because he's he's always been a solid player, never like a real top six score or anything. But, you know, he's cultivated a pretty, like, 15-year career as a defensive forward, good speed. Play on a lot of teams, right? One, two, three, four, five teams. Underrated, yeah. And what's funny about Andrew Cogliano when you you kind of hockey DB surf on him, the most his career high in points came in his rookie year. Hmm. Yeah, 
And then ever since then, I guess more of a defensive role or whatever, but uh, that's kind of funny. How many guys that happened to? Right? Not many. Not many. And they were thrilled for him. Mm-hmm. I mean, who wouldn't? He had a broken hand. Yeah. Too. And he, finger, he, I think. Yeah, and he was blocking shots out there. Do you want to get into like the list of injuries and we don't, we're not pe- even, we're speculative not even injuries? How are you even going to know? Well, like from just looking at them, right? I can list off like over a dozen right now on both yeah. teams. The Tampa Bay Lightning, Jan Ruta and Eric Chernak had to go to the dressing room, right? Anthony Sorelli was dealing with something. I yeah, think he had to go to the dressing room as well. That's why I made the I made the meme. I was like like the Tampa Bay Lightning and uh, the doctor in the Tampa Bay Lightning dressing room. It's Mr. Miyagi. He's got the healing hands yeah, in know. there. How many times did Chernak go to the room and come back? <laughs> like almost every game. Combined between uh, last game, game five and game six, at least four. That guy has to have multiple broken bones. Like from how many shots? But what was blocked. crazy was it would be like, oh my god, Eric Chernak. I don't know how he's going to get up from this. And he got up and he would block shots. It's crazy. He would just dive out and, and block shots. Like he, he had forty five block shots and eighty four hits in the playoffs. Oh my god. No, Loki actually had like a good amount of hits. Like offensive guy was Bowen Byram. They yeah, showed the, the stat. He was very good in these playoffs. The Avalanche don't win the cup if he doesn't step up like he did. No way. For like sure. you forget that Sam Girard got injured. When did Sam Girard even get injured? He got injured Please. first game against St. Louis. Second series, yeah. 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 So round, yeah, first game of round two. But you forget because Bowen Byram stepped in, played seven minutes more a game, and was. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Transitioned the puck fantastically. Had a very key assist in that game six, too. Very nice one. Where rode the oh, blue yeah, line, yeah. got it to McKinnon. Primary, a nice primary apple there. Was getting into it with uh, with Stamkos, which was kind of weird because Kucherov went after Byram and then Stamkos cheap shot him, which, I don't know, some of the thought processes, some of their brains must have been broken. But to continue with injuries, like, Victor Hedman couldn't turn. There's something wrong with him. He could not turn at all. Alex Kalorn looked broken yeah. not, on yeah. top of that. We saw Nick Paul. We thought he wasn't going to be able to play for a while also. He fell awkwardly a few games he back. He was limping in game four. Like he yeah. was skating limping. Exactly. There's uh, and you didn't one. even talk about Braden Point. Well, yeah. Braden Point was just fully out. These <laughs> yeah. are guys that were playing yeah. with injuries. And then on the Av side, you saw Nachushkin, the photo of his foot, which was... They were like they had to medic. He needed medical assistance to get the foot in the boot. He could barely walk into the arena, and then from there it was just pain management. But he played like twenty minutes or whatever in Game Six, which is absolutely crazy. As we mentioned, Andrew yeah, he Cogliano. played twenty three minutes. He played twenty three minutes. Yeah, like that's that's about a right. Nazem Kadri as well. Broken Nazem Kadri oh, played with thumb, a broken surgery. thumb. Scored an OT winner and. He was generating a lot of chances. Yes, ra- very random, no collection to t- connection to Toronto <laughs> forward for Colorado, Nazem Kadri. He said that's that he, all we got to talk about. Yeah, he also said that he couldn't, literally couldn't tie his own skates. That's he all he said. He didn't say anything else. That's, that's all he talked about. That was the most notable thing there he said in his interview That was the most notable thing he said. No, I agree. That first game back, you could kind of tell he couldn't, like, he couldn't really yeah. load up for shots, but he was all over the puck. Oh, yeah. And, like, the overtime goal was very nice, too. A little, yeah, really nice. a little outside, inside, under the bar. Nobody even knew where it was, right? So, awesome to see Nazem Kadri win the cup. You could see that was really weighing on him. Uh, 
in a few different parts of the celebration. Should we go game by game a little bit and just yeah. break down the last three, which are very yeah. entertaining games? Yeah, and I guess the only other, to close off the injuries, I guess we mentioned Sam Gerrard. Darcy Kemper. Was, Darcy Kemper was out and then in. I don't, like, Freddie, what's his name? Rocco with the fake eye. Yeah. Like, like you said, Burakovsky. Burakovsky was very injured. That's right, too. He was barely playing as well. Yeah. So, I mean, the Tampa Bay Lightning, they're like, oh, like the list of injuries that we had. It's like, okay, like Colorado was also playing with a lot of injuries too, right? And that just shows you need, like, depth is so important. And I'm not talking about, like, grinding Simmons and Clifford as your 13 and 14 scoring depth. Scoring depth. Guys who can actually contribute when Andre Burakovsky, 60 points, one of their better players off the rush. They have a lot of good players off the rush, but, like, a really good player off the rush in the league, he goes down and... Next man up, and mm-hmm. same as Tampa. Like you lose a guy like Braden Point, that should be, that should probably be it for yeah. most teams. But also though, with Tampa Bay, what I noticed just collectively through those this series, it looked like not only was Braden Point out, so they lost that second line center, obviously, but a few guys, key good offensive players, were injured, and outside of the top line, I don't think Tampa's depth. Like second to through fourth line generated a single chance in game in game six. No, they didn't no. in game six. But those guys also like Sorelli looked like he could barely play in that game. Yeah. No, he he could he could. And he, I know he's not an offensive guy, but he's a good get pucks move. He pucks. was yes in these but, playoffs he didn't produce kind of on the score sheet, but he was getting a lot of chances. And then it just in the finals, him uh, him Hagel and Kalorn just looked like a bag I, of taped up bones. I got a take about Hagel like. He sucked in the playoffs. <laughs> I'm sorry. He did. And, like, they gave a lot for him. That could be the difference in a cup run. If they maybe allocated that asset to a more talented player. Yeah. Like, I understand what they're doing for cost certainty, but, man, they gave up two firsts for him, right? Yeah, they gave up two firsts. He had six points in 23 games. He was He was not good at all, in my opinion. No, he was very not noticeable. Like, once Sorelli kind of got more hurt, like, he just went away. Like, you'd expect a guy that you gave... I I understand the contract is very favorable, and that's part of why you have to give up so much to get a guy like Brandon Hagel. But you gave up, like, what, two second-round... Two first-round picks. You gave up Taylor Radish, which is some good depth scoring. You gave up Boris Kachuk, which is, this again, the same thing. But, like... I understand guys go down. You need that depth scoring, and he just was he was invisible out there. He was. Oh, like, and I don't doubt maybe next year he'll be a lot better mm-hmm. one year in the system, but the, the draft capital they gave up, they, like, how much more is Vancouver asking for JT Miller, for example? I don't know if the cap would have worked there, but two first, two young roster players, what, like, what else would they want? I don't know. Well, so I'm just wondering, year, is that yeah. a trade they look back on and say, Hagel scored two goals? was not overly effective. When point went down and we needed more offense, this guy's, you know, he scored 20 goals alone in, in his time in Chicago, not even including in Tampa. He had 25 total goals. Yeah. And he absolutely was nowhere to be found. Two points in from the Florida series on, two points in 16 games. Not good. Yeah, kind of brutal. But, yeah, that's uh, it, it was an overpayment at the time. Uh, like, when I kind of understood why they overpaid to yeah, get that was a, it that was, was like, not a deadline deal right that was like an actual 
trade for years yeah. to come. But I'm just saying, look, like wondering with hindsight, like if they allocated those assets to a more effective mm-hmm. player, knowing what we know now, do they win the Stanley Cup? Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe not. Just something to think about. Yeah. Yeah, that it's it's very true. It's yeah. very true. But um, and he may have been hurt too. Like we don't know. Yeah, that's a, but, no. He definitely didn't look good. Though. I, yeah, he was not effective. He didn't make any good any good plays. Really, I mean, what was interesting though about Colorado is like you saw guys start to go down, like Nachushkin, Burakovsky, all those guys start to get banged up, kind of thing. Like what their biggest asset was was they had Bowen Byram, Devin Taves, Kale McCarr, who were able to generate offense from the back end. And then on top of that, Josh Manson had a few great uh, offensive was, chances. I told Jason, like, that was one of the best deadline acquisitions in, in the last couple of years in terms of contributing to a cup. Like, he was tough minutes, penalty kill. He made blocked, great plays. Blocked he shots. was fantastic. And I know a lot of Leafs fans didn't want him on Twitter when his name came up. No. My God, he would have been great for the Leafs, but they, they ended up getting Giordano, which was great. But this guy, he was exactly what we expect him to be outside of Anaheim, right? Like, mm-hmm. he was clearly hurt in Anaheim. Team wasn't good. Team plays, that team plays no defense, right? That's, yeah. And, and that changes things. Like, that the situational statistics, right? Like, mm-hmm. you look at his analytics, his charts whatever they weren't good there but you could kind of see like the defensive metrics were still good they've been good in the past and i i think i think they might try to keep him because he was into, i think trading I gerard keeping manson signing byram to it as quick as i think colorado has a little bit of they, they, they have, have a, a ton, ton of cap space. 25 million we looked at it last space. night they could they're keep below all the these floor. guys if they want i know they're below the cap floor right now they they're have below a ton. the cap floor they're a t- they have a ton is eric johnson a, a ufa yeah no, he has one more. Oh, year. Jack one Johnson more. is a UFA, but Jack I don't know if Jack Johnson was, was like. Did they get him when Wait, he was, Eric Johnson no, he was on a PTO? That's he was on a PTO, and they signed him for league minimum. Yeah, and okay. I don't know. He did his job. Yeah, no, I, I I wasn't sure if his. But money so was speaking still to what you were saying Pittsburgh. about Josh Manson, and this is a really really key thing that uh, Cam Sharon was saying on Twitter. So Cam Sharon is in the analytics department for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like I, I want to say he's a director. I forgot what his role was. I was looking at him doing a little LinkedIn stocking today. Not going to lie. But so he had a great point and it was regarding L- Lilgren. So he was, we'll get into that in a bit, but what he, the, the big tweet that he had that I really, really liked was this. This is where paying attention to microstats is key. Microstatistics is key. I've long thought if you can't explain why a defenseman or player has very good or very bad results with microstats, then the on-ice data isn't very reliable. This might sound like I'm missing the forest for the trees, but I found in practice for it to be very, a very solid rule. For me, why is this happening is a much more interesting question that leads to better understanding of the player than what is happening. And if we go back, you remember... With Petrangelo last year, why is Petrangelo's numbers and his charts look so ugly when he gets to Vegas? Well, watch what they're doing out there with him. He's trying to play midfield out there, and it's just totally ineffective. He's still a great skater. He's still a big body. He's still an offensive contributor. Just the role he was playing was a little bit weird. Yep. Right? So, awesome point. I'll I'll read the Lilgren one when we get to him later because I think that was a good one as well. And you talked about Jack Johnson, right? Like, I know everyone thinks he stinks. He kind of does stink. But he essentially played the amount of, like, a fourth-line forward. Like, he really barely played. He played yeah. 11 mm-hmm. minutes total a game. Mm-hmm. And, like, good for him. He's had a long career. A tough career, too, for some of the things that happened to him off the ice. Like, 
good yeah. for him to win, right? And I wonder if people forget that. People like, probably do forget that. Um, but one thing I was I was pointing out to Jason when we were watching the game, like the the Avs have their D lined up as Makar and Taves, right? And then they have it as I think Byram and Johnson, and then Manton and Johnson. But if you look at how they actually deploy them, it's nothing like that. No, you saw shifts Makar with Byram, Manson with Taves, Manson with Byram, Makar with Johnson, and then Manson with Byram. You know what I mean? Like they they really did a good job sheltering the Johnsons, mm-hmm. and I think what <laughs> what that sounds like a 1970s show. They sheltered the Johnsons, the Johnsons. and it, and it was. But you know what? Maybe the Leafs could take something from that because they don't have the most. You know. Well, you know what's funny? We said this last year that they should be doing yeah, exactly this. And you know why? Because Tampa Bay pretty well does exactly yeah. that. They take their but, best defensemen, their four or three best defensemen, and just put them out on the ice. That's so, what Chicago did. You know what the problem with that cup. the problem with that is with the least though? Their best defenseman oh. is like not not the most adept defenseman. Their best defenseman oh. has to be sheltered with another yeah, defenseman. That's the problem. But he's right. That's, that's the, the biggest problem. problem. It is. He's too one-dimensional. When you yeah. look at all these guys that they were just able to throw out, Kale McCarr, Devin Taves, and then Byram actually was under 20 minutes. They put McCarr and Taves, Devin Taves 25-53, McCarr 27 minutes. But if they go even strength, and this is including the games when Gerard was still playing, Byram ended up averaging 18-30 even strength. Okay, I believe man. that's more than any Leafs defenseman average at even strength. I will check in the um, playoffs. I sent it to you but guys, think, the screenshot. I think Brody led the Leafs in the playoffs at 5-on-5 five five with 16-53. When you looked at the Leafs, it was pretty well even for all six yeah, D-men. Brody, Justin yeah. Hall averaged almost the same amount of ice time at 5-on-5 five five five, as yeah, Mark crazy. Giordano. He did, That's actually. 14-30 and 15, so basically the same. How does that make sense? Bring them back. It's extend extend them. Extend them. Extend the coach. Good. <sighs> but yeah, One thing I was looking at, it though, was, with... Uh, t- to mention the coach, someone actually brought up a pretty funny point. They're like, ah, oh, Dubas, he sucks, blah, blah, blah. Like, why is this roster? He mentioned something, but I'm like, okay, but that's more so on the coach, though. Like, I, I like Dubas, but, like, the coach I'm lukewarm on, he's like, well, it's Dubas's fault that the coach is still there, so Dubas sucks. I'm like, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> All right. I guess you're <laughs> You right. got me there. <laughs> well, can't really respond to that one. Jason had a good But, yeah, so – I was looking at their top, like both these teams' top, top four. Because, again, when a team wins and when team, teams make the final so often, you try and grab and you want to look at what they're doing that, time that to works. Cat, baby. Exactly. And all of their D, their top four in particular, which, like we talked about, they abuse. They throw them out there as much as possible. Every single guy in the top four has minimum, like minimum average to above average def- defensive impacts. I think that's really, really important. And that's really important to have so on your ne- team. No negative defensive no impacts, negative defensive in, your, impact, top in your top four, essentially. Wasn't Riley like zero? Riley was one, according to Evolving Wild. He was in the first percentile. Not, not the best first, like yeah. the 99th. The big the, thing is also, though, with, with Kale McCarr and mm-hmm. Devin Taves, like, there are some times with like, really, really good offensive defensemen where it's like, okay, they have the puck mm-hmm. so much in the offensive zone. This goes for forwards as well. That it's like, okay, their defensive impacts are really good because there's never much time in the defensive zone but they're not actually very good at coverage and defending the blue line, defending the front of the net in the defensive zone. Kale McCarr and Devin Taves are such good skaters that it's like, oh yeah, I'm going to get caught at the blue line. Then I'm just going to come back. I'm going to beat your left winger like off the rush in terms of speed. I'm going to poke the puck out from him. And I'm also pretty strong on my freaking feet. Yeah. 
and you're not going to be able to bully me. Those are some th- things I like did not know about Kale McCarr at all. I w- didn't know how how amazing he was at defending the rush, how how strong he really was on the puck. He I, is strong. He is so he's physically strong. strong. He's got to be bigger than what he's listed. Yeah, because he, he looks like a like, wet noodle. What is he listed like, at? 5'11". At, how, weight, too. Because he he doesn't I'm look looking at that hockey big, reference. Right? It says 187. Yeah, no way. He's big. That's crazy. And he looks thicker He's, than that. Yeah, and then Devin yeah. Taves is 6'1", 191. Makar mm-hmm. rocks, guys. He, he was does. rocking. Like, Throwing out head. the reverse hit everywhere. Oh, he he absolutely smashed Brandon Hagel when he had the when Makar had the puck. Yeah. But I think the biggest thing with this Avs win and what I really really like about it is that it's a paradigm shifter. Wow. The 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 niche the cliches are kind of thrown out the window where it's like oh you need size you need this in your line you need like meat in your lineup like just look how many skilled players like yeah sure Colorado brought in Manson he was a good shot blocker he was physical but like they didn't win because of Johnson and Johnson no but also I think I think even people who want as as skilled of a team as possible would sacrifice the idea that okay we do need a couple like defensive defensemen yeah, or else how are we going to just play run and gun the whole time but i agree like th- the point is at the end of the day there's more than one ways to skin a cat there's more than one way to win and mm-hmm. it's not uh, you need the biggest d possible in the reach yeah that would help you can win like that for sure tampa bay did it twice but you don't have to win like that no exactly like you, you don't need a hot goalie Oh yeah, real oh. hot goalie. <laughs> so now is it you don't need a goalie at all? <laughs> no. That's, uh, we might see that. Who knows? Like, not a lot of good free agent goalies. Like, who knows? But the, it's know. even people say, "Oh well, you can't copy this Colorado team because they have Kale McCarr." Like, yeah, Kale McCarr is unreal. Again, the Leafs have a guy who scored sixty goals this year. Nobody else can copy that. So the Leafs have something that nobody can copy. I said this last time. So just because Kale McCarr is unreal doesn't mean that if you don't have Kale McCarr, you can't win with. Smaller D or offensive, exactly. like offense based forwards. Like, it doesn't work like that. No, you do need to win, though. It's former Leafs, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> if we could figure Let's out how to Kessel do that. Back. Yeah. How do, we, how do we get these? How do we do bring this? the band back together? Kessel, yeah. Bozak. He's a UFA. Gardner. Jake Gardner. <laughs> yeah, we're really bringing the band back together. You know the Leafs are cursed. If, like, J- if Jake Gardner lifts the Stanley Cup next year. Oh, God. I don't know what I'll do. <laughs> I, I really do not know what I will do. But anyways, made it, might actually take myself up on the uh, the the threat that I'm moving to Cambodia. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Anywho, Arturi Lekkonen scoring more big goals. That was a storyline we kind of missed, right? Scored the goal that sent the Habs to the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. Scored a big goal. In this series at one point, I can't remember. And then game six scored the well, game-winning goal. Well, you talk about forget about him. You didn't even mention him as one of the free agents last episode when we were talking about all the free agents on Colorado. He's, he's an RFA. He's an RFA? Yes, he is. He's a 95. He is an RFA. I'm very confident. Oh, I thought he was a UFA. I'm like, I'm, that's he's why. He's an RFA, yeah. Oh, I thought oh, he was. Oh! No. Yes, he is an RFA. Crazy. Take that. Well, that's a sick deal then. I thought he was a UFA. No. Oh. Makes that deal look even better. Way better. Way, way better. But that's why a few Montreal fans I saw were like, I know you guys don't like this Arturi Lekkonen deal that we had. It's like, well, this is part of it as well. So now we'll see. We'll see. Um, any other kind of notes you had? You had a good 
observation. Thank you. In game five, you you always just say thank you. And you don't I know. let me finish. You like that? I find it to be enthralling. Interesting. <laughs> sure. Uh, game five, the end of the game. What happened there? The sequence, the coaching little matchup. Oh, that was terrible. On which end? It was game five for Colorado? Yeah. They, Colorado. So they go down. Tough situation, obviously. They put their first line right out there, right back out there. And they're absolutely, if anyone remembers this, this shift, they were dominating shots. shots. Three minutes left in the game. They get an icing. So offensive zone faceoff. Tampa still has their tired guys out there. They put the second line out. Great. Ranton and Kadri. And I think it was, Lek- I don't remember if it was Lekkonen because I think they put Landeskog up. So it was probably mm-hmm. Lekkonen. They immediately lose the draw. And it goes right to Vasilevsky. He covers it. Okay. So it's still offensive zone faceoff, but it's a TV timeout. So Tampa can change, and it's a TV timeout. But there's three minutes and 30 seconds left at this point. We come back from the TV timeout, and they have Helm. And I think it's Helm O'Connor and Comfer on the ice, which I like. Comfer or Cogliano? Of, I, I don't remember. if It, it might have been Cogliano. It was, was Comfer. But it was a mix of their third and fourth line. I was like, three and a half minutes left putting that line out there is odd. After all that momentum, they immediately lose the draw. Tampa plays keep away for like 30 seconds. And you can see at one point, like now Colorado's like, okay, these guys got to get off the ice. And they take that too many men penalty. And that essentially ends the game. I just don't get like, they have so much depth. You could just do, you could do Helm with McKinnon and Landeskog. And then you could do uh, O'Connor with Kadri and Lekkonen. And then you could do Comfer with Rantanen and Nichuskin. There you Mm -hmm. go. You could do that. Why did they put their fourth line? It made no sense. Yeah, yeah, it was silly. They should that do it like what they, what they do with their D. Just do it with your forwards. And right? that's also, I think that contributes to why the, the guys were too many men on the ice because they were so eager to get, to get on the on. ice. They're like, get these guys and off. And they jumped on early. You can see yeah. it. Yeah. That's why there's some coaching decisions that Bednar makes where I'm like, I don't know, you're kind of lucky you have Sackick yeah. kind of uh, yeah. run in this year. That is a really, really deep, well put together hockey team. You got to give Joe Sackick a lot of credit. Yeah. And I can't really remember. Too many missteps he's made along the way. I'm sure there's Ryan some. O'Reilly. I think it's just the Ryan O'Reilly yeah. deal, and that's it. After Ryan O'Reilly, like, but but why? But O'Reilly, O'Reilly was very misstep, unhappy. But it's more of a misstep from Buffalo to trade him again. Yeah, like that was long enough ago. Where well, no, they Buffalo like kind of won it when you look at it, simply because O'Reilly had two good seasons in Buffalo. Who did Colorado get other than JT Comfer from the Ryan O'Reilly trade? As Grigorenko, who was a pretty high prospect at the time, Nikita Zadorov, who was an overrated prospect at the time. Um, I don't have it in front of me, so if you do, Comfort in a second. That's it. And, and then it... Comfort and a second. But wait, guys, that trade was seven years ago. Yeah. yeah. And so then after that trade, they finished in last, and then that's when it became Matt Duchesne wanted out. So then they flipped Matt Duchesne. They got better. They got Bowen Byram. They got Samuel Girard. They got um, Kale McCarr. So was that a misstep or was that a? Well, they proper got Kale McCarr the year before well, Bowen Byron. Was it? Was it? Was it their plan to trade Ryan O'Reilly and then be? I don't know, but that was seven bad. years ago. I'm I'm, I'm, like, I don't know, yeah, but it's you still look at everything. I mean, well, I mean, if we did that for the Leafs' current group, we look yeah, really bad. But if bad. you look yeah, back no, at seven years we're, we're ago, a saying... lot of the roster is not there. It's like Morgan Riley. But th- that's what I'm saying, though. It was so long ago. It's like. But that was the only misstep. Okay, I, I, you're right. That's fair. His misstep was seven years ago trading Ryan O'Reilly. 
That's yeah. how good he is. Like that's yeah, incredible. he's good. That's, yeah. that's what I'm saying. He's I agree. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. You you asked for has there been a misstep? I don't yeah. even think that. I don't. I just that's so far out of mind to me. Yeah, still. A and really then he, big but then he absolutely fleeced for Matt Duchesne and arguably built the foundation for this team. Yeah, that was a crazy trade. Gerard Byram, right? I gotta say, I did say in terms of value, Colorado got the higher the highest end of the stick on that one. I think I. I think I gave Ottawa a really bad ranking on that one, even though Nashville in the end, I think, lost really that trade lost really that badly. One, yeah. But, like, Ottawa was going from Kyle Turris to Matt Duchesne in terms of that upgrade, and they gave up a ton to do that, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, that's wild. That's <laughs> why Just looking at this trade, is it's insane. It's, it's basically Kyle, Kyle Turris for those three players from Nashville, and then they just auto-shipped them like seven yeah. assets for Mac Duchesne for two years of him. Yeah. And then he went in a cabin. Exactly. Talked about Was that. he in that one? Matt Duchesne? On the in power play? In a cab? About yeah. The power play? Right? <laughs> the one where it's like, yeah, he, he, he doesn't really analyze the power play. He just kind of puts it up on the on the TV and talks about what's going on. <laughs> that was... That was a video. That was such a funny video. But... Anyways, I, rem- I remember it every time I see a, a camera in a, an Uber. I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> Can't say anything about Don't talk about play. the power play. <laughs> Don't talk about the power play tonight. But, yeah. Any other points that we had from this series? Um, kind of weird that Vasilevsky in Game 6, how many equipment issues he had. I've never seen anything like that before. He had to... The mask came off, and then he had to put it back. He got the mask back on, and then he had to take the mask off again. He had to change out the mask. The, or the His current mask then got fixed. He had to change that again. He had to change the sweatband out of the mask, and then he had to fix his skate at one point. Like, did this guy forget how to put on? Like, It was really, really weird. I've it's never he, seen anything like that. It seemed to really throw him off, too, because they scored like literally the shift after he changed his mask, and he's like looking to get it back as soon as possible. He's like... The, the mask that he switched out. At. Possibly, yeah. I mean, your vision, with if, if the if cat eyes are a little bit yeah. different, that's obviously going to throw you off yeah. a lot. It's also a mental thing, And when you look thing, at probably. the goal, I mean, it he, he was kind of there, and it tipped off yeah. his blocker a little bit. So, the McKinnon one? Yeah. Yeah, that was a weird one. It just kind of squeaked in. I feel like yeah. Vassy's also just like a superstitious guy. He's probably just like, get this thing off me. But, thing. but Yeah, maybe. But he played sick the last four games. Like, the first two games, he was a little shit. It wasn't his fault. Obviously, not his top top form. Last four games were top, top form. Even that overtime, I know John Cooper threw a little hissy fit after about how, oh, like, we... we," He actually almost said we should have won this game. Dude, if it wasn't for your goal, they they had five grade-A scoring chances in that overtime. In the overtime alone. Including the breakaway that he stopped. That no one even remembered because there was, like, five chances after that in this... Before the TV timeout, it was insane how good he played. Yeah, and then again in Game Five, he. I think like it the was, goals were f- not fluky. They but were weird, weird goals. goals. Like when you look at the last few games, like the last four games, like how many goals did Colorado actually score? Like where they took a shot and it went in the net. A the lot McKinnon of it was like only one. shots. Like he stopped it. Like. He put the rebound in a decent spot, but then there just happened to be two asses in the way, and then it hits off someone's skates and it goes in the net. It's like, even, okay, even what the are you supposed to do there? Stanley Cup winning goal. Like, that's just off a bad bounce. He's moving no. one way. The puck goes right to Lekkinen's stick. He just does the smart thing, which is just shoot it as hard as shoot you can at the net. Yeah, exactly. And it goes in. 
It's almost impossible for him to react that quickly. No. Yeah, exactly. You're nitpicking on each goal. It's like, oh, well, he could have, I don't know, broken a hole in the space-time continuum on this one, like, for all we know. But he is the key to Tampa Bay. Like, he really oh, he's is. The as rock. good as every player is, he is their most yeah. valuable player. Absolutely. Yeah. They do have a good defensive structure. Yeah. But he is insane. He's insane. He is so good. It's, it's a joy watching him. When he's on his game, it's... It's incredible to watch because I do not think in how many games this series can you definitively say Tampa Bay was the better team? I think one, honestly, the one that they won. I don't even know. No, honestly, what, game five. Yeah, no, no. Like game four, there were, it was so close. Game every four, game, they had the than, shot edge and the yeah. expected goals edge in that game in regulation time. However, when you look at the actual chances, I believe Colorado had more slot chances and more and and more. Uh, Rush chances. If you as say well. definitively better, it would be zero. Zero. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But yet the the series went to six. Five out of the six games or whatever, or five out of the six or four out of the six, I don't know, were very close. Right? They won two of them. Andre Vasilevsky, again, yeah. was just a complete stud. If only he could score as well. But what did okay. you think of the too many men fiasco? Before you say you mentioned if only he could score, did you watch him play the puck? Yeah, he's good. How many times did yeah, you he see had one like saucer casual? Like <laughs> wasn't even looking. Like no look saucer pass. Like this guy under pressure yeah. in goalie equipment. It's just like, oh yeah, with one hand, I'm just gonna slowly stop the puck and then I'm gonna flick it tape to tape to my defenseman, and it's like a four checkers gone. Okay, yeah. pucks up the other way. Like, he he's unreal. His post game like not. I don't want to call it a meltdown. He was pissed though, because. And I, I kind of get it. Like, they gave him no support in this no. series. Last three or four games, really. Yeah. They were very injured, which is kind of why. But, yeah, he was he was unbelievable, right? Like, he was, he was fantastic yeah. in this series. And pretty well through these entire playoffs. Like, there was a couple hiccups here and there. But overall, like, if Tampa won the cup, I think it's him. That's the cons. Oh, easily. easily. I can't even think of who yeah, else no, it would have been. It'd 100% be him. Yeah. Someone brought up a funny picture. You remember last year what he did with the con Smythe? What did he At do? the parade, he put it on his head. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! That gold star boat. They were, oh, they they were, were feeling her. her. They were giving her that day. The <laughs> Kucherov's interview. Oh, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. Damn it. I was. It'll yeah. be fun to see how Colorado does their parade because the past two years it's been boat parades, yeah. right? Yeah. So finally the Stanley cup returns to land. We'll see how, <laughs> uh, it's a first, first time in a few years going to uh, a different city. So it'll be really fun to see how Colorado, uh, hosts their parade. Yeah, I agree. What, one little tactical thing I thought was interesting. The amount of players who took faceoffs on both sides was mm-hmm. wild. How many players were above 50% of the show? Uh, I don't know the answer to that, but like Sorelli gets hurt Mm -hmm. and then they call on Hagel to take faceoffs for him. He wasn't that good, but he did it. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously points out Nick Paul played center, Mm -hmm. Wang played a lot of center for them. Ross Colton takes some faceoffs as well here and there. Mm -hmm. They got guys, Colorado, Ranton and Landeskog played a lot of center. Those guys are wingers. Yeah. That's a 
So that maybe, is a very good point. Maybe that's a little edge these teams have that can help. Because, like, again, Kadri gets hurt. How's he going to take faceoffs with the broken hand? Well, he doesn't. Landis Gall is going to do it and win 55%. Yeah. Crazy how good he was on the draw. He was really good. He was the best in the finals, I believe. Wow. Is he a, a right-hander or left-handed? Why can't I remember this? this that's really bad. Right? Left-handed. Oh, okay, never mind. Usually, you kind of think that right righties have an advantage. But, I mean, but, if you but, look, he's taken, like, not that many, but 200 wins, 288 wins. Two, like, he's taken, like, 500 face-offs a year the last couple of years, 54, 56, 56%. Yeah. He might be the most underrated player in the league, Gabe Landeskog, honestly. I mean, how much how much were people talking about Gabe Landeskog really stepping up in the in the Stanley Cup playoffs this year? No one. No. No one. And I did mean, he though? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. He was big time. Arguably more effective than Nathan McKinnon was in the finals. He was yeah. like, uh, other than like subbing out because I'm I'm on hockey reference right now. In the regular season, the amount of Avalanche that won. At least a hundred face-offs. Guess how many it is? Six. No, eight. Eight. Kadri, McKinnon, oh Comfer, Landiscog, Rantanen, Newhook, then Tyson Jost, who doesn't count, Nico Sturm, and Darren Helm. Yeah. Eight. Interesting. I mean, one, two. Not many of them were above fifty percent, but. Eight with over 100 wins. That's pretty good depth right there in the face-off dot. Yeah, absolutely. So, any other points you guys had on the finals? The contra- offside. Oh, too many, too many men. men. Too many men. What did you guys think about that I one? I think that was, honestly, he sounded like an absolute baby. But, in my opinion, it, it clearly weighed into the ref's heads the next day. Absolutely. Ooh. But, yeah. If, if you watch the Leafs at all this year, you know that that was too many men. I absolutely love how, in the interview, he made it so cryptic. Like, you guys will, you guys will see. When you guys see, you'll understand. You'll you guys understand. will see, you'll understand. And then everyone's like, and then like at first, everyone's like, oh my goodness, it's offside. And then like people started to count, like, okay, Tampa, you guys also had seven, seven guys, guys on the ice yeah. here. And then everyone, and then you go back even further, and it's like, okay, what about this goal against the Islanders? You guys scored. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys had seven on this one. The only goal in that game, too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, was that the, that was, that was the only, yeah, that was game seven Ross only Colton goal. Game seven. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Ross Colton, he went ghost for the last two series. Really? Yeah. He had yeah, he didn't do he much. He had nine points in the playoffs. He had one point in Colorado and New York series combined. Combined, wow. yeah. One uh, it was an assist. Yeah, their depth ran out at like after the Leafs series kind of. Yeah, Ross Colton, I think, had six points against the Leafs. One, two, <laughs> three, four, five, five yeah, points. Yeah. A, three goals. He was a killer. But anyways. <gasps> oh, I love it. Yeah, Col- the co- yeah. also like <laughs> We talked about this on the McCarr goal like a while ago, and I think there was another controversial goal that whatever people mm. were review not review. I think it was the Edmont. It was in an Edmonton game. I forget which goal it was, but just just review any any game winning goal at that point. Well, just review was any it Blake goal. Coleman. I I don't think it was the Coleman. I think there was, was another kick. Edmonton one. Maybe that maybe that's the Cal McCarr one. I don't know. I don't know. There was I think the really uh, a really funny one that they do is that they don't review whether it went directly over the glass yeah, or so if it funny. tipped. Two seconds. And all the refs that. have to like get together and be like, "What did you see? What did you see?" And it becomes really controversial. But it's meanwhile, it's like you could pull out an iPad, yeah, just w- literally watch along with cable and be like, "Oh nope, that's it didn't tip." They could review everything. <laughs> <Keep playing>. <laughs> yeah. They could just have. You don't, don't have to call Toronto, get the iPad out, get the headset on. If they, if they like, could, Joe, if you just say, okay, 
high stick that goes in the net, offside that leads to a goal, puck that goes over the glass, and you just say, there's somebody watching for those three things. If it happens, they automatically stop the play, and it's done. Yeah. Not the refs on the ice. Someone's just watching for those things. A six referee, like a VAR referee. That's all they're watching for. They'd never get it wrong. And then the play would never have to stop. It could just keep going until it's reviewed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you don't need to review because the guy just watched it and said, well, that's no goal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the other, on top of this, another controversial goal was that Darcy Kemper, the mask coming off. I thought off. that should have been no goal. So that is, no, it's by the rules. I know, which is crazy. By the rules, it is a goal. That's crazy. Mike McKenna, who I've referenced multiple times on this podcast, former pro goaltender, when he was in the AHL, I believe, for uh, the for the Devils farm team, he said like he wrote a whole article about like how the rule does need to change, but it was the right call by the rule. And he showed a play when he was playing, like his mask came off and he had to stop two shots in a row. That's nuts. Yeah. And he's like, I could have like lost. He's like, I didn't really think he was like, I was very angry after. And they called one of his friends who was a ref and the ref's like, yeah, that's the rule. And he's like, what the hell do you mean? Like I could have died. Mm-hmm. Like, Shocker, the NHL has some dumb rules. Like, that one is weird. Like, I understand, oh, like, you don't want goalie, them to, like, shake it if off. A sh- or... Yeah, if a strap comes off, you could shake it off, whatever. But it's like, okay, like, what's the, on the flip side, the goalie could die. Yeah. <laughs> That's a no brainer to me. You just yeah. call that dead. <laughs> I don't know. Like, like, just think about that. Like, if you get hit in the head, like, career done, life also potentially done. Yeah. Like you got to change that rule. You got to take a hard look at that sure. one and be like, okay, what's worth it more? More goals or, you know, the safety of our goaltenders? <laughs> I don't know. In Europe, I believe in some leagues, they call the play dead if the puck hits the goalie in the head. Yeah, that's yeah. not a bad rule either. Honestly. They do it in men's league. Yeah. I, I, I police it very well. <laughs> Trust me. Trust me. But, yeah. Any other points you guys had on. Uh, any other Braden points you guys had on this series? Any controversies? Kadri? Oh, what about? Uh, well, we'll save that. Let's let's wait in game. What about the maroon slash? Oh my god! And Stamkos shooting the and puck. the Stamkos shooting the puck at a referee. Do you think either of those guys like Stamkos less more maroon? But do you think maroon should like even be like fine for that? Like I, I don't know, I'd, I'd slip him a little fine for that if I was player safety. Can you find like? I don't, did he make? Did he get good wood on the guy? He on broke the his slash? stick. He broke his stick on his leg. That's crazy that they didn't. <laughs> on the back that. of the leg too. It was even like the, the Stamco shot too. They like he talked to the ref. He's like, oh, it was my bad. It was an accident, dude. You shot. You yeah. shot, shot the puck the at the puck ref. At the like, ref. Like, yeah. And then the also like what overshadowed like that play overshadowed it, but McDonough fully like oh, puck yeah. gone. Oh, that Cross was checked him hit. from behind. Like that's a five in a game. Was, that was. If I'm his teammate, I'm like, dude, what the hell are you doing? Like, that We're was trying to come really back bad. You take that penalty on Darren Helm? On <laughs> Darren Helm. Like, is Darren Helm a threat? You got to, like, what was that? You got to just absolutely murder him? Also, that was... this one's going to sting, but I wish I had the foresight to clip every pick or interference that wasn't called in the playoffs that I saw that was called on Justin Hall. There's probably at least 10. Well, sure. I, I posted a video. Yeah, but since then, there's been more. Corey Perry yeah. had one at center ice. Oh, my God. Well, yeah, I got, I, I got tired of posting them, and it's people crazy. kept calling me a crybaby. But and it's I'm crazy. Like, like, I don't care. And Tampa's complaint. Like, well, how about the call that probably put you in the next round? But it works for them. They get calls. Yeah, I don't know how. But 
Yeah. Maybe they won't anymore. Who knows? Maybe the referees will see that he's just like. Did I mention it earlier in this episode, or was it off camera where Nick Paul went psycho on the yeah, ref? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Okay, good. Because again, that's another one where it's like, could you imagine being these referees? No. Like, no wonder there's a refereeing shortage, <laughs> like Correct. North American wide. Legit. Like, how many? Like, there's been a few men's league games now that I've had where it's been one referee. Yeah, those, yeah. those are a disaster, too. Yeah. Like, and it's like, okay, the ref misses a bunch of calls and you get mad, but it's like, okay, he's one guy. Yeah. There's, 11, there's 12 of us on the ice that he's got to keep an eye on, right? So, but then again, keep sometimes that in mind they miss calls and you break your wrist, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> so wait, what happened exactly? I don't want to get into it. <laughs> you broke your wrist cross checking someone? No. All right. Broke your wrist punching the ref in the face? Yeah. No. Okay. No, not that either. I no. fell. I fell into the boards. Sure. That's what we're going to go with. Sure. Sure. But on the Rune slash point, I kind of find it funny almost like how much dumb stuff that Pat Maroon does that he gets away with. And it's like, how does Tampa just keep putting up with how many dumb penalties this guy or dumb things this guy says? Like, you're a fourth liner that plays 11 minutes a night. Yeah. You're lucky you're here. They like, like oh, they I, like it. Obviously, I the guess. stuff he does. I guess, but it's like, dude, like you're not that important. <laughs> you're also kind of overpaid for what you do. <laughs> like, I don't know. Maybe stop bragging. They have three Stanley Cups. Yeah, he loves, especially fun. when you're not a like. Anyways, hey, good for him. You got he, you he, he won. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of winning, he he broke his streak, and which means Corey Perry, Corey Perry's streak Perry. is still alive. Also, like. Trade target for the least so they can make it. To I the felt bad seeing Perry's wife and kid. Like his wife was crying. Obviously, that was very sad. But he also won a Stanley Cup already. Yeah, I know. I don't know. If, <laughs> was he with her though? During she that? was probably ten years old when that happened. Like, <laughs> no, actually, was, that was she seventeen years young. ago. She looks like max thirty, max. Oh wow! Yeah. So she would have been very young during this. So they were 100% not together. That is actually really funny. So, I mean, you got to think of the emotional high. Like, when you when the Leafs are in the playoffs, think about how emotional it is just for us and, like, how wild you get. And, like, just, like, I don't know, even going out, like, on a weekday nights for the game, like, She's done that three years in a row. Yeah, for almost a full could season you, of games now. Could you imagine doing what you did for Leafs no. games for three years no. in a row? Like, I don't think I can do it for another round. I'm just, I'm just so used to doing it for one round. You could just go hard for that like week and a half. Yeah. It's funny because if you talk to Leaf fans, you just ask them, like, how weird would it feel if we were playing hockey right now? In June? What? In June? Dead. be fired from my job. <laughs> because I'd be – yeah, but – then again, I mean, this podcast would go through the roof, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> People would actually like the Leafs. But, anywho, the curse of who would this be? The curse of Mike Babcock not getting through the first round. I know we're still cursed by Harry Ballard. Uh, curse of Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. <laughs> I guess that does make sense. So, the curse of the Shanna plant? I don't know. I don't know. What has happened since 2000? Well, no, it goes back to the first Boston loss, too, yeah. technically, because. That was like a, mm-hmm. I don't know, whatever. The curse of Morgan Riley. Also, like on the radio, it's like mm. he was drafted that year. I I understand the idea of they did well against Tampa and Tampa was good, which is like great. But using that as a equivalency that they're they're close, 
maybe they are close, but you still it was still massively disappointing still to lose in the first round. Like, are we are we hanging the banner? Like, lost to Stanley Cup finalists three yeah. three I mean, the last four who, years. You know who else lost to the eventual Stanley Cup fa- finalist was the Islanders last year. Yeah, are we ready to anoint the Islanders? Like going into this year, we we like. The Islanders took Tampa to seven games and lost. No one gives a crap. Nobody cared. Well, actually, everyone predicted that they wouldn't even make the playoffs. Shout out to former guest of the podcast, Frankie Corrado, making some great points. He's very much a Leafs supporter too, not a Leafs hater at all. Like usually sides with the Leafs, but he said like people in Toronto think the Leafs are close. Like the Avalanche were close, which the Avalanche were closer for sure, especially couple years in her second round disappointing loss so frank carrado said it which i thought was a great point which was no, no one outside toronto thinks the leafs are as close as the abs were no the leafs are like the minnesota wild that's what he said he's like that's what they're like the minnesota wild Oof. yeah and i thought about it he's right they're exactly like the minnesota wild right now. until they prove otherwise that's what they are it's kind of funny that like carrado koliakvo and odog uh, Jeff O'Neill, like they're all at TSN. They talk about the Leafs every day, and all of them like the Leafs a lot. A lot. Mm-hmm. They're big Leafs fans because they obviously grew up Leafs fans, but their treatment in Toronto was not good. Those three players. Yeah. By when you think Leafs. about it, like Koliakova was part of a miserable trade where it was Carado. like he was a young defenseman. He was traded for Lee Stempniak with Alex Steen. Like that's kind of a kick to the groin. Jeff O'Neill, his last, like he was just criticized to no end by the media in Toronto because he came over here, didn't play up to 40 goal expectation. And then his last 10 games, he averaged nine minutes a game. And I believe he was scratched in his last game as a leaf. And then that was the end of his career kind of thing. He tried to come back in Carolina. It didn't work, blah, blah, blah. And then obviously we all know Frankie Corrado was scratched like 4,000 times in two years that he was here. He was the first Babcock jerk around guy. Yeah. It was funny though. This week on, on, uh, on Leafs lunch, he had a he had a funny line because uh, Al's brother was like, "Hey, this is six years ago today, we drafted Austin Matthews," and he said, uh, "You're welcome." I was minus twelve that year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. So salute to Frankie Corrado for Austin Matthews. You and uh, Jerry Sparks, we are forever indebted to you for him. But any other playoff points you guys had from this Tampa Bay Colorado series? think that uh there's one that we kind of haven't touched on but go ahead the big elephant in the room what is it i can't remember nazim kadri sized elephant in the room what was the exact quote can we pull it up can you play it yeah i can i can play it i got uh just a filibuster for for five seconds so in his post game interview with david amber and yeah anyone that listens to this podcast didn't hear this but it's worth hearing again yeah we're gonna we're gonna get it in here ready from day one, never wavered, and uh, you know, for everyone that thought I was a liability in the playoffs, you kissed my ass. The best part is Elliot Friedman's laugh after he's thinking like, "Oh my god, this is gonna go viral for sure." Like, uh, but yeah. hey, you know what? Good for Nazem Kadri. He deserves it. Fantastic hockey player. He loved being a Toronto Maple Leaf. He said it many times. Unfortunate what happened, but. Hey, it happened, and he's allowed to stick it back to the guy who traded him 100%. I, I totally understand where he's coming from. He was a Leaf for 10 years. He signed a sweetheart deal for the Leafs, who 
They had him for three more years at four and a half million, which is unbelievable. Hometown, loved it, wore his heart on his sleeve. It didn't work out. He got traded, and the rest is history. He scored probably the biggest goal of the finals, overtime winner. He scored many mm-hmm. big – had that game against St. Louis, that hat trick. Like, oh. That yeah. hat trick was – yeah, he, he was fantastic in these playoffs. I mean, you also kind of forget in the bubble he was fantastic too, he and was. he didn't get suspended didn't. in the bubble. He didn't. He got hurt the next year. Uh, he might have. Did he have the most know. points of Colorado forwards in that bubble? I think so. I think he lit up Darcy Kemper too, which is kind of funny. But yeah, just happy to see him lift the cup. Oh yeah, wow. he looked happy. Like he looked everyone, happy. Okay, everyone looks. Happy. Everyone looks happy, but he like yelled at a big. He had a big yell. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I yeah. I just wonder what you know Leafs upper management that watched that what they're thinking. I'd love to know. He's not definitely not coming back here. That's, that's the I first mean, thing. I, I, I think any Leafs fan would take him in a heartbeat. Though. Oh, absolutely. Are you kidding me? 100%. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially after like watching that he can play yeah. and not get suspended. He's always <laughs> able to. He just got. He just didn't three playoffs. Got dealt the short end of the stick. <laughs> got attacked by Jake, De, Jake DeBrusque a couple of times. Mm. I'll still defend him. I don't care. True. Sure. What about the one for Colorado where he almost killed Justin Falk? That was an accident. We didn't see him. <laughs> what was that in Game Three or Four? I can't. They swept... It was Game Four of the sweep. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, they. <laughs> it was Game Three or Four of the game sweep, three, and like they were just so in control, and it was like a like they were winning. I believe in the game, and he just decided to murder Justin Falk. <laughs> it was like the most useless play ever. At least with the Leafs plays, it was like okay. Um, Someone, I got need in someone, the second period. No, someone, someone hit Patrick Marlowe. No, someone, yeah, hit Patrick Marlowe. The one before, Jake DeBrusque was all over him and being a little prick. Like, there was some reason behind it. The yeah. Falk one, he just decided, I'm going to end Justin Falk's life today. <laughs> I got a question for you guys. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of not the same because their age difference, but maybe it'll mitigate the perceived skill difference. Who would you rather have for seven and a half million for eight years? Kadri or Morgan Riley? I was going to ask you guys that right now. Ask Kadri without a doubt. It's like, it would have made more sense. Like with the return that we got for the, like the age. Kadri deal. So it would be Kadri 30 to 38, 31 to 38, 39. Yeah. I'd rather take a, Morgan Riley. a forward who can has a really good finishing than a guy who relies on his skating. The real important part of that is like for the next three to four years. Yeah, because that's really all it is. Because oh, that's true. After that, the team's gonna look. Massively well, what nice. what what archetype of player generally ages better? Transition transition D with no ability to play in his own zone, <laughs> or <laughs> or wow. two way center who's really a... good at finishing. But uh, okay, like if I'm being if I'm being too harsh or wrong, dishonest that was at all, that like said that not me. I voices sound the same sometimes. If I I'm being was, no, if I'm being that wrong, was, that was maybe a bit harsh. A bit. Uh, okay, sorry. Well, how how else would you describe those two players archetype wise? Offensive defenseman, two way center. Okay. How how yeah. well do offensive defensemen age? Past 30, 31, depends. 32. Depends. It really how depends m- on the type of injuries they sustain. That's true. When you look at it, like you could get um I don't know, like Mark Giordano who But he's a two way defenseman. Very, very well. And then or you can get Eric Carlson who one wrong injury and just became useless pretty well. Not yeah. useless, but just downhill pretty steep. Just an interesting question. You didn't answer. 
I did not. Uh, I don't know. I'd have to look into that more. I think that's really the right choice. Recency really bias, obviously. I would trade Morgan Riley for Nazem Kadri for three years at $9 million. I would do yeah. it for three years at $10 million. Yeah, so would I, actually. With this current lease team, I mean, yeah. I All would. you have to do to clean that cap difference is just trade Kerfoot for nothing. Or trade Morazic, whatever. Yeah, move up Morazic. Trade Justin Hall, trade. I was kind of thinking to myself, because like, someone's going to ask, like, oh, what are the Leafs doing this offseason? I'm like, oh, there's a couple small adjustments. And then I just keep forgetting, like, they don't have a goalie. Yep, correct. Yeah. This is <laughs> the most important offseason the Leafs have had by a country. It's not even close. By a country mile. And the scariest It's not part- even close. They, they need to, in my opinion, they need to add two middle six forwards. They need to add two goalies to start. Maybe you, they might add another seventh defenseman. They might add a 13th forward. They, they, but they need, at the minimum, two goalies and two forwards, I think. At the minimum. Yeah. They also need so. And not counting their RFAs. Not, not only that, like, who's, who, who do you get to sign next year? Who are you allowed to finally like, extend next year? Austin, Austin Matthews. So you've got to put on a show for him and say, hey, like, we're going to push and make sure that you win or point. that make sure that we can win. Make sure that you know for sure you have faith in us and that you can trust they, us. They've got to sign him the second that he's available. Absolutely. Like, give him the max. I don't even care, honestly. Like, give him a blank check. They've got to hope that McKinnon signs before him. That's what they've got to hope. That's oh. They've they got to pray that Nate McKinnon signs before him. Why before? Because I know Nate Num- McKinnon and Joe Sackick's not going to get fleeced like our GM is going to get fleeced. That's why. Fair enough. Like, just off of history. And it's not even necessarily his fault. It's just nobody on the Leafs took a discount. So why would Matthews take a yeah, discount? No, that's Everyone on Colorado took a discount. So they could say, McKinnon, take a discount. And then our GM could say, hey, Matthews, this is what McKinnon signed for. But he signed similar instead of signing for $15 million. Make sense? Yeah. We're already in the off-season mode. Wait, it's the off-season. Yeah, you're right. It is. We are, in, really off- is we are in off-season mode. It was funny in a group chat. Me and Josh are in. Someone was like, "You're like, oh, off season time." And then the person was, someone was like, "I can't even think about the off season. Like trade deadline or sorry, free agency. I can't think about that stuff right now." It's like, dude, it's it, it's like right now. Yeah, it's <laughs> happening now. Off season, best season. In like three days, they're gonna be trades. I can't wait. I can't wait. I I, th- I know a lot of teams yeah, for sure. Yeah. We're waiting for the Stanley Cup to finish. Yeah. Just before I think Batman said that Friedman said that there was like a small suggestion to everyone that like. If you're even going to have news, make sure it's on an off day. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the Stanley Cup ended, and then, what, eight hours later, Timothy Lilgren signed an extension, right? Talk about that. It's a good transition. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. But it's it's kind of funny that we just passed a a week, like a seven-day window, I would say, that in Leafs history has some – recent Leafs history has some pretty strong significance. Do you guys know what I am talking about? Draft-wise? Like, roster-wise. I like to call it goalie week. All within a seven-day period. Listen to these. Raycroft for Tuka Rask. Like, a year later was Veza Toscala and Brendan Bell for God knows what haul. It didn't work out. It sucked. And then on top of that, Jonathan Bernier was in this end of, end of June period as well. In the 20s, I believe it is. And then Frederick Anderson, most recently, so, was traded for in that one. Are you saying something's happening then? Probably Goal pretty wise. soon. James Reimer bringing the band back together? Oh, <laughs> um, I'm nervous about that. There's the a rumor out there that Georgiev's not getting qualified. Wow. 
Wow. So there's that as a possibility. I don't know how, you know, over the moon I'd be about him, but, you know. Would that be something you even risk to acquire the rights of or no? Risk. Well, I guess guess that's not a risk. I'm I'm thinking of like the guys who who trade for UFAs. He's an RFA, so it doesn't matter. You just take him and qualify him and then figure out the contract later. Kind of thinking Uh, of like the Jimmy VC thing that happened where. I don't know. What's he under contract for right now? I, I don't know. He's gotten that. worse every year. I know. He has. But that could also be the team is front in front of him has gotten worse every year. Well, that team went from last place to the conference finals, so I probably dealt that. <laughs> also, last year, they decided to put Lungfist in over him. Or two years ago in the bubble, they put Lungfist in over him. Yeah, I think he'd have to be like the two in the tandem. Yes, he would very, very much so have to be the but two. But like not even the one. B what about this one? Two. Jake Allen. It's a possibility. Very cheap. Two and change. Problem is he doesn't get... If he's with the Leafs, he doesn't get to play against the Leafs. And he oh, usually likes true. the goalie. Oh, this is so stressful. This is so stressful. Dude, the names are not going to be that So just flashy, resign Jack Campbell like. then. But for how much? He's, four and a half million. Uh, he's not going to take four and a half million? I don't think so. Okay, then he can go get five from where Exactly. So you're looking in those cheaper ranges. Who you're looking at? I, I just... I just Best case right now I'm looking at is, is Cam Talbot. Like... I'd offer sheet Jake Ottinger. <laughs> Twelve. I mil. would do it. I, I think that guy's mil. just the horse. Yeah, I hope. I hope one year. Just so we, we need more offer sheet animosity. Yeah, there was one guy this year that people were saying was, oh, I think one of the the Vegas. What's the guy that on Vegas? Nick Roy Nick Hag. Wah. No, or ha- Wah. or Hag. Nick. They're both like pretty solid younger players, and they have absolutely obviously no zero cap, cap space. space. So. so they wouldn't even be able but to. But they've re-signed Riley Smith, apparently. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> yeah. So that that's probably why that deal is – did that deal go through? Is it still no. under the table? Maybe that's why because – It's a leaked source, so it's just like it's done, but it's yeah. not. But I, I think maybe that's why they're not announcing – which you're not allowed to do, but that's why they're not al- announcing it because it could be – They're going to announce that like some, one of their players has defected, has defected the country and now their cap doesn't count or something. <laughs> I don't know. No, but with, with Nicholas Roy, it's, it's like people were talking about the offer sheet thing because you could like offer sheet him to like a low number and because – you cannot exceed ten percent above the cap floor or cap. Sorry, above the ten percent above the cap ceiling in the off season, they would like have to give them up. Basically, yeah, they can't. They, They'd be they like, traded so long. Yeah, it'd be like one. It's like something over like one point five million or something like that. Was what would you have? You'd have to offer sheet him for, and that'd be yeah. like a steal, basically. But he would also have to. Sign, he would also have to sign it. Yeah, so. him and Hag are both nice players. Oh I mean, yeah, it'd be. It'll be fun to see what what happens there. Yeah. In in trying to avoid the word interesting, I've said the word fun fifteen times. It'll be riveting. That'll be fun. We'll have some fun out Captivating. there. Captivating. I have like a little thesaurus in the bottom left corner of my oh, screen. You have it in the bottom left. Yeah. I accidentally used my uh, synonyms for interesting as a search for hockey DB. Somehow I'm stuck. <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing. But that's compelling. It's compelling indeed. So do you want to talk little grin extension? Yeah, I'm 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 in for that. Sure. So Timothy Logren re-signed to he was an RFA. The Leafs gave him a bridge deal as we pretty well all expected. Two years, one point four million dollars per. So now if you pair him with Mark Giordano, which they did and it worked very, very well last year, that is a total of two point two million dollars over the cap for the next two years. Like that's great. That value alone is incredible. 
that that you could arguably roll roll those two guys as like a. They don't have to be your your. Do you think that could work as a second pairing? I, I think so. Depends what your first pairing is, but I think so. Mm, interesting. Because in my head, I you, I, don't, I you don't like it. No, I do. I'm a fan of. But well, there's no room for that. What do you mean? There's no room yeah. for that. Yeah, I they'd be the third pair, pairing. Well, well is good there. going back to yeah. this guy Cam Sharon, who I mentioned earlier. So he was saying it's difficult to project young defensemen that generated good on ice results because it's hard to separate ability from context. Once the D get the puck to the forwards. Most of their work is usually done, and it's up to the forwards to generate results. Per natural statric D this season, or sorry, per natural statric comma D this season generated a primary point on roughly twenty percent of on ice goals. So we can say that every one fifth shots a D had direct involvement in the shot attempt. That isn't a lot, but we make assumptions about D all the time as a result of things like Corsi or percentage or expected goals for percentage. None of that is wrong, but the group of forwards working in front of you is going to change a lot about your results. These aren't necessarily things we can easily adjust for either. So when you think about Timothy Logren, when you're a third pairing D, you're not going to get the fourth fourth line in front of you. That's just not going to happen ever. So who's that going to be in front of you? It's going to be your William Nylanders, Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner's, all those very, very good players that are going to be able to move the puck up the ice and generate chances. So I know Timothy Lilgren had a pretty good year, I would say. Especially for a rookie, he had a good year and he generated some good results. We some, saw a lot of positive things from him. People voted for him to win Rookie of the Year. He had a couple of fourth, fifth place votes. I'm I'm all for it. He yeah. he, he was very good, but like also you got to think, who was he passing the puck to? And what was happening, he wasn't passing the puck to Wayne Simmons and Kyle Clifford and then watching them chip the puck in. So, Yeah, if he's on the second pairing this year, he might be. Yeah, exactly. So that'll be an adjustment. Quality of competition is also a very big adjustment. We mentioned it with Travis Dermott, who had some decent on-ice results. Arguably solid on-ice results in in the minutes that he played. Exactly, but like, who was he playing against? Exactly. So that makes a huge difference when you're playing yeah. defense against these guys. Yeah. Right? One thing that we really need to see an improvement with Timothy Lilgren on is his retrieval and then the next play being a positive after that. This year, the, the micro stats on that are horrendous. Like, bottom of the league. He could get a little bit better defending the blue line as well. And his ability to enter the zone and make a play from there, I felt like he was... I don't. I think this was coaching, but he was dumping the puck in a ton, and he had he had room in front of him. Yeah, you talk about micro stats. Like his micro stats don't match the macro stats. Really, no. I think his micro stats are probably worse than most people expect. So we're gonna need to probably see a bump in his play this Which year. Which areas do you see? Oh, I'm staring at it. You can just take a look. Oh, you were looking at the J Fresh ones. I was yeah. looking at this earlier. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. well the same thing. Yeah. Of what I was saying. That's what I'm saying. But it's yeah. more than that. It's like exits, entry defense, rush offense. It's pretty much yeah. everything. The one thing that I, I always think back to in the playoffs. So he, he got the first two games over Justin Hall, right? He really struggled to move the puck out of his own end. However, if you remember game one, there was the puck almost fully crossed the line. On that play, that would have been a goal for him. And then the second game, he got completely robbed by Andre Vasilevsky, like blind robbery by Vasilevsky on one play. 
if those two pucks cross the line, would we see him in game three? I don't despite know. He, him he not being able to at, move the puck? At getting the puck, but so was Justin Hall, in my opinion. So, I don't know. And then, I guess, yeah, then but you're... the other thing, like, to move... To move up as a defenseman in the league, if you can't go out and get the puck, you're just never going to do it. That's one of the yeah. most important things to do. Yeah, I know. So I, I wonder how much playing with Giordano's going to maybe hurt that because Giordano's so good at it that like he's going to maybe be the guy to to carry the weight in that sense on that line. I don't know about that. Yeah, because it's still his. He's not good at getting the puck, regardless. Like, yeah. If it gets dumped into who or where it goes after, he can't even get it. Yeah. But he did say in an interview after he signed his extension, hey, like, I've, I'm rec- I've recognized the areas that are I'm weak in, and that is defending the front of the net, like retrievals and all that, and I've, I've got the summer to work on it. Beautiful. So, yeah, and I also, it's good that they it. got, like, this sounds very minuscule, but getting them as far under that $2 million number as possible, because if they can get Sandin and Lilligren at one and a half, 1.4, 1.4 each, compared to, for example, 1.75 each, that's a, almost an extra player. Yeah. Actually, if you do the math, it, it probably is an extra player. Because so, they're going to be so tight to the cap. There's going to be some games where they're only carrying. Like this year, it happened. There were some games they just had 12, 6, and, and two goalies, mm-hmm. right? Vegas played a game with like 11 forwards. Five that was, but that, that was borderline dangerous. But when you're, when you're that close to the cap, I'm telling you, go on cap friendly and actually add players. You, it gets to a point where you actually do need like an extra seven hundred k. That is true. Yeah. If like if Logren signed one seven and then Sandine signed one seven as opposed to one four one four, like that's a point three differential each. Point six. Or like, let's call it one seven five, which is probably people just. All right, let's get them under two. One seven five is okay. under two. Yeah, point seven. So that is almost league minimum. League minimum. Yeah. Right. So and that was what Colin Blackwell was playing at this year. Yeah. Who Colin Blackwell played all seven playoff games. Yeah. So important so that's good it's good to get that couple extra hundred k off and for two years which is which is also that's also pretty big as well um does that bring him to free agency or just before no i think i think maybe even two years gosh he's that old oh is he oh yeah he's a 93 born well he'd be 25 he's 23 right now so he's got two more years after two years after i believe right so he's not that old manageable (laughs) qualifying offer after as well yeah that's uh that's a good thing as well. Someone brought up, I, I believe, if you look at Kasperi Kapanen's qualifying offer because his contract is so heavily signing bonus based, I think it's like eight hundred k. Oh, really? <laughs> really? Interesting. <laughs> that was kind of funny to see that there. Enthralling. Enthralling, indeed. Indeed. Are you expecting uh, Sandine to come in same number? You would hope so, think, right? I think I think decently close. Yeah. I, I, I under two for sure. So can I do the next question then? Yeah. Is it interesting that Lilligren signed right away, given the rumors around Rasmus Sandin's name? So yeah, when you take into account the rumors that there's is been that no talks, a thing, or am I just throwing it out there like an idiot? Is that could that be a thing? I hope not. Seems like he's a great player. I hope not. I don't know. It's supposed. This is supposed to be our GM's boy, right? Like. The guy who and and also our coach's boy, right? Did they not? Did he not? Or is did he, he, his did boy he miss him? Or he's kind of been dicked around by the. I know, but GM, right? So it was his boy on draft night, Sue Saint Marie connection. But I don't know. After that, it hasn't looked too too good. But I I, I agree with what you're saying. It is a little bit suspicious. Um, but I do think that 
if you're not going to go out and get a number two right D in the trade market, free agent market, whatever, like your number two right D needs to be Timothy Lilgren because or else who the hell is it going to be? You don't have a number two right D. It's, it can't be Ilya Labushkin again. You no. need someone like throw you need someone fire. else yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. Right. Throw, throw the kid to the fire. So they're going to rely upon him heavily. And right. we saw him yeah. relied yeah. upon heavily more in the second half of the year. It did not look good at times, but at times it looked really good. Yeah. At, but times, at times it did it looked look really good. That, that right D left D thing will be interesting. I wonder what they're going to do with that. What, with what the, do they the do fact- they transition a traditional left side guy to the right side next season? Can Morgan well, Riley do it? No, he obviously can't. He tried it. They tried. They, it with they made Mazen. it a big thing before the year one year. It was like twenty seventeen, oh. I think. It was early or twenty eighteen. I want to say they're like Morgan Riley's gonna play the right side. It was before Tyson Berry, so twenty eighteen, I believe it was. They're like Morgan Riley's gonna play the right side this year. Right side D, right side D, one shift. After that, he was back on the left side, and we never heard about it ever again. What do you think it takes for an off-handed defense, like the off, for a defenseman to play on his off-handed side? Like, what? What is it? I think footwork, quick hands, and just a vision as well, right? I think the footwork is big, like yeah. just even turning a different way. And when you look at who's a left. Left-handed defenseman that plays the right side on the yeah, Leafs. TJ Brody. TJ Brody. What's he really good at? Yeah. He's got like football feet on the ace. Yeah. He's really quick, right? Really good at shuffling. So, yeah, vision's also huge as well because you have to be able to get that puck from backhand to forehand and up the ice yeah. to a target immediately. So, yeah. But it'll be – this is the, – the D, I mean, the Leafs have seven guys. Again, seven guys under – Team control at least. Six guys now under contract for next season on the D front. Defensive movements are not done. Not at all. I think there's, what, once, like, I don't know what's going to happen with Sandine's contract, but at least one trade needs to be made. If you're if you're going to let Aubert says they stay in the lineup for 10, 12 games and, like, the, the, the beef is Sandin, like, wants to play, just sign the guy and let him play. Just let Sandin play forward. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, but if, like, if that's the beef in the contract negotiation, just let the guy play. I know. Where? Okay. Right D? Where? Okay. Yeah, sure. Right D. So then it's Logren second line, Sandin third pairing sure. right D? The like, only way I would trade him again, if you get a top four right D for him, that's fine. You could do that. Yeah. Oh, 100%. That'd be... Like Samuel Gerrard? But I wonder how he's per- perceived around they the league. can't afford him. Like, yeah. Just through it. Like, how is he perceived cool. around the probably league? Probably well, I would assume. You guys are also forgetting the 5.625 million caps. We're probably going to have when Jake Muzzin gets hurt and goes on LTIR. <laughs> if he goes on LTIR. What do you mean? We did that this year. We didn't have any cap space from it. <laughs> Damn it. Damn it. Oh, Passive see. aggressive art I'm getting right now. Holy smokes. There, well, <laughs> I said it last night. It's unfortunate, but I think a lot of the Leafs fans feel the same way. Like you said, one of our friends said, I'm not even ready for free agency. Like, I don't even... Not Feels like I'm in purgatory. It's apathy towards the team. That's the yeah. worst thing that can happen to where you're like, oh, my, I honestly don't even care. Like, just get me to the playoffs. Who cares? Like, and I kind of get it now. At this point, it's been six years of disappointment. Like, really, what can they do in the summer that's going to change people's minds? Nothing. Unless you add, like, a massive piece, but you did that. You remember when everyone called July 1st John Tavares Day? How yeah. quickly that ended? 
Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. See, like, the problem is you start talking about some Leaf stuff, it actually makes you sad. Like, like all the moves that happened in the summer that kind of made you excited in, like, 18, 19. Oh, that was, like, one of the that, – That day was unreal. So much fun. I had so much fun on that day. They traded for Tyson Berry. They traded for Cody Cece. That offseason might be the like the inflection point downwards of the least trajectory. Honestly, we thought we were all going was that up. Marlowe too. Yes, yeah. that Marlowe for that was the worst Marlowe for Seth Jarvis that essentially. Was a terrible offseason. Uh, oh. Nazem Kadri for Tyson Berry and Alexander Kerfoot and sorry Nazem Kadri and a second or sorry you and know a what third. Is funny though. And then Cody CC. Josh, you were saying <laughs> off off mic. You were like, oh, "I was the biggest like Leafs can do no wrong. Everything is the greatest move ever." You were massive on Patrick Marlowe. You're like the third year. Who cares? Just ship him out. Yeah. Well, I mean, if they thought Lou Lamorell, they could have shipped him out. They could have pronounced. <laughs> they could have pronounced him dead. No, but here's the thing. Marlowe was actually sick the first year he was on the Leafs. He was decent. He was not sick. You know what happened? The no ice numbers were decent. Because he played with Mitch Marner. He played with Mitch Marner the yeah, second but, half of the but year. But that's allowed. Like, that's that was good. Without Mitch Marner, though, to like be him fair. and Kadri that year, their numbers were ugly the first half. And then it was Mitch Marner. I think the big thing that kind of turfed his with the least was the coach, which yeah. happened a lot then. I agree. But also the cap number was. Yeah. yeah. I didn't hate that signing. They they had the they had space. They really did. Yeah. They, and also I had this conversation today, which was the Leafs had to move a first with Marlowe because they had to sign Mitch Marner as an RFA. You know what they also could have done to save cap space? Not qualified Cody Cece when they traded for him. Yeah. That would have saved up $5 million of cap space. Four. But yes. Four and a half. Four and a half. Four and a half. So that's not true. Yeah. I want to I wanna Again, look- by the way, the, Eric Johnson, who's not a top 4D for... The Colorado Avalanche made $6 million this year, and they still fit every single one of those players in. So I'm sorry. The third year wouldn't have mattered. Maybe if you did a better job with the other contracts. Yeah. That is true. Wow. All right. Yeah, it was kind of funny that they qualified CC at four and a half, and then the next year he signed for one and a half. I think when the they, Penguins. We, we were excited for that trade. I think Connor Brown was tough, but they got rid of Zaitsev. Yeah, and that's huge because Zaitsev gets, well, still has another some two people years. Were, some people were Oh, we really like Connor He was, Brown. like, competitive, but, like, there was a lot of nights where it's like, bro, you had no hits, no shots, no fights, no penalty, no nothing. But he was an asset that carried value. He yes. was from Etobicoke. So you gave – no, he definitely <laughs> – like, he – I was also not the biggest Connor Brown guy, but he was an asset that had value. You moved him yeah. with Zaitsev, and you had the potential to get nothing back, which would have worked cap-wise again, and then they qualified Cody Cece. That is true. And he was terrible. Four yeah. mil for Cody Cece. Four, yeah. four or four and a half mil, whatever. I mean, like, at the time, you're like, oh, like, how can you trade for someone and then not qualify? And it's like, well, Evan Rodriguez. Yeah. Who was sick this but year. But they didn't qualify. And they didn't qualify him. Whatever. A yeah. lot of it's hindsight, though. I understand that. Yeah. A lot of it's hindsight. But also, a lot of us were, like, so, I don't even know what the word is, so excited about all the possibilities that were ha- Young GM, team, Future. and then it could not as have gone as bad as it no. This is the worst possible outcome. It really is. <laughs> Other than it's the worst timeline. Yeah. We rolled the six on the die, if anyone's seen Community. Yeah. Darkest uh, timeline. Missing the playoffs maybe would have oh, been good. They would have got yeah. a cost-controlled young lottery pick. Yeah, honestly. If they missed the playoffs. They didn't, but they didn't have a, a protected pick that year. So. Yeah, that's true. Yep. So, 
it's always fun to look back as a free agency will be mm. fun going forward. It will. It will. Just as we talked about having apathy. We still like it. Yep. <laughs> I still love it. Still grinding Frank Vitrano stats every day at lunch. Sorry, I just I'm just looking at this team, like obviously hindsight, but they could have just traded Andreas Johnson and not like you said, not signed Cody CC, and that's seven point two million dollars. So yeah. that's Marlowe and a minimum play. Johnson was good at that time, wasn't he? He was coming off a great year. He was Coming, he was coming off, off yeah, like a forty-eight right, 40 point, point season, year. yeah, yeah. I'll give him that. Nineteen ninety-four born, so like mid twenties. Right. Yeah, yeah. s- sky was the limit. Then the next year, <laughs> he could have also just issues. not given a first and still trade. Like, yeah, nobody again. Nobody else has had to do that. So no, no, not even for Andrew. And Mark. again, Lou Lambrose is there. He pr- suddenly probably breaks his leg, <laughs> and he's on LTIR. The the old Robida Island. I think that the real. The tough part there was he was not going to give the Leafs any wiggle room. I think he had a modified no trade clause too. Uh, even if he did, it didn't matter. Because they he bought said, him out right away. Yeah. He said, I'm, "I'm going." He did the Jason Spezza pretty much. He said, "I'm going to San Jose or Toronto. If any other team trades for no, me, he went to Pittsburgh." Uh, no, eventually, well, eventually did, but, but not then, that off season. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But he told people in that off season, "I'm going to these two teams. If you trade for me, I will not play for you." Yeah, it was a mess. It was a mess. So, and then, and then all of a sudden, halfway through the year, he's like, "Oh yeah, I'm, I'm okay with going to Pittsburgh, of course." When San Jose turned into a dump, it's fire. lovely at this time of the year. <laughs> Pittsburgh, Honestly, Pennsylvania. Th- he wasn't bad the first year. I'm, I'm gonna bag on you. He's okay. It's all right, not for six to five. Yeah, obviously, but you could afford it then because you had guys on entry level deals. You could, yes. I was happy that we added a twenty some odd goal scorer, yeah. but. Just that third year, we all thought, okay, that'll be easy to be able to get get out of that. And then it unfortunately was, was not. Yeah. Well, yep. But Again, back then, I was such a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed Leafs fan. Everything they could do was awesome. I was so happy. That's all gone. <laughs> Nick Paul looked me in the eyes and put his hands up like I just ended your season. I, I got... There's no coming back from that. No. Yeah, Nick that's... Paul. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Anyways. Anywho, moving on from that. This yeah. is the last episode of the 21-22 season. Uh, any fun memories from this year that you guys had? Matthew scoring 60 goals was awesome. Yeah. Uh, the Leafs had a great regular season. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was McDa- kind of McDavid show again, like mm-hmm. even Trevor Cal- Zegris, Trevor Zegris show, the Trevor Zegris, Michigan, the flip pass that Jason's trying to call the St. Lawrence river or whatever, <laughs> the Lake Huron, the Lake Huron over Michigan, over Michigan. <laughs> sure. Um, both of those plays have kind of made men's league a little weird because people are trying, trying them, but they in. suck. <laughs> Uh, and then the Arizona Jay Beagle situation with the Anaheim Ducks. That was wild. But as you said, that, how about the Arizona situation as a whole? Oh, my as God. A story the line. clown show. That's an interesting team to watch going forward for free agency. That might be a storyline going forward. Like, who goes there? How do they get guys to a- Apparently, a while ago, Freeman was talking about them just probably going after I mean, a bunch of college free agents and just to, overpay them. But they need to spend. Yeah, they're going to, like, pay them. They have to get to the cap floor, though. Can, how, can you... Can you just ignore you, an entry level contract? No, you cannot. No, how are you going no, to pay it? You have to. 
they have to be a certain age. Well, yeah, they're, they're they and have that, to be that three age years, is like twenty eight. Oh, twenty six. I guess twenty six or twenty seven, twenty eight, or something like that. How are they going to oh, pay a college free? Yeah, here, here's your NIL deal. There's ten million dollars, even though you were a third line on Minnesota last year, was that, and you're twenty five in college. Was that they they're going to be able to like get more college free agents because they could play right away? Yeah. Mm. And that's what they did. They got that guy from Minnesota who's from Toronto. He played on the Canadian. I, his name is ex- escaping me. Boston College kid. Minnesota third-round pick, I want to oh, say. Oh. Played for Toronto Junior Canadians in the OJHL. 58 points in 48 games this in his draft year. What the heck? That's so weird that you know that. I forget his name, though. Played for the Canadian Olympic team. Now he's on Arizona. I think they got someone else. When did, they got a couple other decent college free agents i mean like think about that think about it like just like in terms of life though like jack mcbain jack mcbain oh, i wasn't even close on the name anyways think about it when you're coming out of life though when you're just graduating university like they're gonna be playing in arizona state how fun's that gonna be, yeah, that'll be fun. <laughs> like when you're just leaving university you're not like oh like i'm too old to be here like they've been some of those guys have been too old to be there for five years so they don't care uh, live it up at uh, with the Arizona State Coyotes for a little bit. So, yeah, the Arizona Coyotes were a, a clown show this year. What about the Oilers coaching change this year? How they were just so reluctant, and then they did it eventually. They got rid of the high-profile coach, and then all of a sudden, Jay Woodcroft fixed them. Yeah, and it also took weirdly long for them to re-sign Jay Woodcroft this offseason. Yeah. The right move to get it done, obviously. I don't see oh, how he was a great else. coach. Yeah. Very tactically good as well. Another intro. I wonder what's going to happen with them. Some rumors they're in on Josh Anderson. Really? Yeah. Hmm. They need to get a goalie. They do need a goalie. Nice. And his name is going to be Jack Campbell. I hate to say it. But. Uh, how about New Jersey Devils for Jack Campbell? That's a team in terms of storylines this year. Probably a team a lot of people looked at as maybe a breakout contender with some of their yeah. young pieces. Their goaltending was... About as bad as it could get. That how many goalies did they use? There was a crazy stat. Uh, there was a lot of them. Uh, John Gillies. The John Gillies. They. So the funny thing with John Gillies, he signed an ECHL contract with the Maine Mariners at the beginning of the year. He then was able to get an AHL contract with uh, St. Louis's team. I think it was. Played well there. St. Louis brought him in, gave him an NHL contract. He won a game or two, and New Jersey was so desperate they traded for him. <laughs> Seven goalies started games Seven. for New Jersey. Who was the guy that... And the funniest one is that Scott Wedgwood started two games. I think they put him on waivers. They did. They 100% And then he was, was great good. for Arizona, and then Arizona got something for him at the deadline. Yeah, and then he was solid for, for Dallas. Dallas. He, so... he put up a good fight against the Leafs. Yeah. He played awesome against the Leafs, and now a lot of people are like, hey, you know, if we lose out on this goalie, Scott Wedgwood could be our starter. That, yeah. He was on waivers. He was garbage. Like, if you look at his stats two years ago in the AHL, if that's what, like, if that's all you got to look at, you'd be like, no, I don't want this guy playing on my NHL team. But now, I don't know. Maybe something clicked. Maybe, I don't know. I have no idea what what happened there, but Scott Wedgwood had himself a great year. Uh, Another team that was kind of a, a circus show this year, the Golden Knights. Oh, my God. Big trade. Jack Eichel. They traded for Dadanov at the beginning of the year, which made no sense. He played very, very well for them. Maybe too much. Sa- LTI- traded for Jack Jack Eichel. LTIR on and off for them was the killer. Yeah, Mark Goal Stone. Goaltending situation. 
goaltending situation. Again, and I, he was one of my most underrated last year. Chandler Stevenson had 64 points in 79 games. Wow, playing wow. defensive. Like, he was Great down player. to the third line at one point when they got Eichel. That's so weird. And then they tried to trade Dadanov at the deadline. That just was wild. Then they forgot, oh, yeah, Dadanov has a 10-team no-trade clause. And then they brought Dadanov back. And he played for them. Well, too. And he played well on top of that. What a clown show that was. How about, forget about this, Dominic Ducharme, the defending Eastern Conference or whatever, Canadian Division Stanley Cup finalist team, was the worst team in the league this year. Yeah. Yeah. They fired. After they fired him. Yeah. It was a really funny tweet. It was from, this, the name's really weird, but Koska Daddy. And he was like, wow, so the Montreal Canadiens... You know, they fired Dom Ducharme. They brought in Marty St. Louis. And the team, there was a fire lit under them. And they played so much better. And everyone looked so much better under Marty St. Louis. And he took that team from 32nd in the league to 32nd in the league. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, if you look at their records, like, St. Louis was better, obviously. But he was still massively under 500. 14, 19, and 4. Yeah. Yeah, because they low-key went on a big losing streak with him. But... He showed Cole, Cole Caulfield how to, how to take a, a one-timer. Also, and- <laughs> I, I was talking, we were talking about this. Like, they should be absolutely as terrible as they can this year. 100%. In this draft coming up. But not Another. next year because they don't have their first-round pick. Oh. The year after that, they don't have their first-round pick. What do you mean? Not no, no, this upcoming year? 2023. They don't have their 2023 first-round pick. No, they, it's either their 2022, but they protected it, right? They're giving... You should check that they're giving away their 23 first-round pick. Dude, they already did for Dvorak. There was something with the Dvorak. It's the condition. Cock and Yemi situation. You're telling me the Habs are giving away the pick in the biggest draft in the last 10 years. In 2023 or something? I don't know. You might be confused. No, I'm I'm wrong then. Sorry. No one would give... They were trying to not trade picks from that draft. Everyone at the deadline. But at the... but I'm not talking about the deadline. This is the, in the Dvorak trade. Yes, I understand trade, the Dvorak Which was at the beginning of the year when they thought they were going to compete. Was that not the pick they got from, Co- from the Cock and Yemi offer sheet that they traded for Dvorak? Maybe. 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 The better of Montreal. So Sorry, Montreal should be as shit as possible. Yes, they should. Like, yeah. trade everyone, not seeing Suzuki, Caulfield, be yeah. terrible and try to get Shane Wright and Bedard. Sam, or Sam Montembeau is your starter. What's the uh, Matt Bay Mitchkoff or yeah. what's the other guy? His name, Adam Fantilli. Fantilli. Out of the USHL. He's, yeah. Those are some very, very elite, good elite names. Elite players. Elite, elite players right there. Imagine. I Adam Fantilli had 74 points in 54 games in the USHL. Yep. As a just turned 17. D minus one, technically, right? So, I. Oh, I'm going to be miserable for years if they get Bedard in, right? They might. <laughs> If I will be. They could be terrible again. I will be eternally miserable. So, yeah, can't wait for that. But anywho, any other storylines you guys had from this season? We're probably missing a lot. We didn't like. It's tough to figure out what's going to kind of happen beforehand, right? Yeah, the, it was a crazy. Every crazy single year. one of the Leafs players that they put on waivers got claimed. Yeah. Adam Brooks got claimed like seven times. <laughs> Adam Brooks was the hottest commodity in the NHL this year for some reason. But uh, the NHL awards was like the weirdest time. I don't know why they 
did that. The middle, they just threw it in. They didn't tell anyone. And why did Keenan Thompson have to chirp the Leafs after Matthews wins the Hart Trophy? Like, I thought that was low-key disrespectful. It was. Yeah. Like, was. of all yeah. moments, to be like, oh, the Leafs finally won. Dude, the guy just won the Hart Trophy. He's worked his whole life to get here. His family is the only people. There's no Leafs. It's Matthews and his family and Bunting and his family. There's no... It's not like Dubas and Shanahan yeah. and Keith and Leafs fans are in the crowd. No, it was none of that. It was just like him and his family. And you're going to do that. Was, I thought that was. I didn't realize that. A low blow. That is kind of. Also, I think winning the Ted Lindsay might even be more. I think that's meaningful I, for us. hundred percent. Because his peers are saying he was the best player. In the yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, also, yeah, because a lot of a lot of writers coming out of uh, a certain province were saying, no, it was. McDavid this year, watch, he's going to win the Ted Lindsay, and he did not. Awesome, Matthews won it. So, that yeah, was cool. right on. His fit also for the, the NHL awards was something. Was something else. <laughs> yeah, they told me it was casual. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what he said? Yeah, he said, yeah, they said it was casual. So, yeah, that was, uh, that was really funny as well. Nice little, yeah, nice little, uh, consolation prize kind of thing at the end of the year. Um, Mitch Marner also got first team all-star Mar- with, along with Austin Matthews. That's love to see that. Michael Bunting, unfortunately did not win the Calder. Should have. Jason put up a good fight for him. He's third. That's pretty good result. Should've, honestly, should have been higher than Seekers, but whatever. Oh yeah, he wasn't uh, there. I, honestly, he should have with the amount of votes that he got. It's like people, people just spite, didn't vote for there him. was one at Dude, first no, Seagrass had a sick we just talked about it was one of the first storylines of the season yeah well he scores a couple why. of cool goals like yeah he had the same amount of points as bunting that's what they probably looked not at five season. on five Dude, if he yeah. continues if you, you think the guys who left mcdavid and matthews off their ballot are looking at the five on oh, five scoring yeah some of the there were some quebec writers that were just very mean to the leafs in their their voting yeah. There was one vote, though. I, I made fun of it at first for the Selkie from Tom Timmerman. And his his Selkie ballot was Michael Raffle was on it, Rasmus Marchman. Asplund, and there was... Marchman, like, Mason Marchman. Mason Marchman. And I'm like, how are these guys like defend? Like, what the hell is this guy talking about? And I actually went to his Twitter, and he responded to Evolving Wild. He's like... Yeah, my voting for the Selkie, I just purely base it off defense. I don't really, like. I do not look at offense at all. And you guys showed me when you look at his evol- the evolving wild stats of each of the guys he voted for, it, he just literally sorted by yeah. <laughs> defensive metrics, defensive impact, and then picked those guys. I respect that. So yeah. shout out Tom Timmerman. That was the best ballot there was. Timmy, I mean, Timmy Timmerman. He took he took the the description very of the Selkie very literal. <laughs> you know, shout out to him. How, yeah. how many other like? Some of the other votes that were out there, like Glenn Denning got two votes last year. He was terrible defensively. Like, like he, he defended his, his – like, there was one year, the guy who voted Essa Lindell third for the Norris. Like, that guy had the worst explanation ever. At least Tom Timber, but what – yeah, these guys were the best at defense. <laughs> yeah, that was good. <laughs> I remember, I, I remember you, you were shocked when you saw yeah, that. Yeah, like, but well, then you I showed know. me you're, I was wrong. Tom Timmerman, the goat, the out goat. of St. Louis. <laughs> He's there's, a St. Louis. There's got to be more fun. There's more funny vote stuff there. It's just hard to yeah, go I through all of them. I forgot to look at that. There's a lot of them, but oh, who, who so is the someone you? One of the defensemen on Washington got a Calder. Oh yeah, the, Faravari. Yeah, Faravari did. He's just a defensive defenseman. I don't know. He got ragdolled by the Leafs. So that's where that's where we say you have to. When it comes to these awards, 
you really do have to look at the analytics because, like, my perception of Farivari is that he's the worst defenseman in the league. <laughs> he's probably not. He's probably had a decent year, played full NHL season, but, you know. You know what was actually a shame? David Kampf only getting one fourth-place vote for the Selkie. That's a yeah. shame. That one stung. I thought uh, the Kampf daddy had a monster year. He did. He, uh, he really came. He, he, I mean, how much would he be worth if he was a free agent this year? Probably $2 million. Yeah. I thought he was worth, like, nothing. I thought he was a waiver. Yeah. Worth waivers, pretty much. So That's surplus value, Kampf. baby. Surplus value. We got to find some of those. Where are the Michael Buntings this year? Maybe a little Andrew Potarlowski. I can't remember where he played. Maybe a little Josh Levo. He had a massive AHL Calder Shout Cup out playoffs. Josh Levo. Twenty nine points in eighteen Another games. Another Babcock casualty. <laughs> yep. What's this guy's name? Andrew Pot. I also will say I kind of feel bad for Roman Yossi for whatever reason. A couple of voters clearly were not in on his. Like he had. More first place votes than Makar, mm-hmm. but somehow Makar had uh, more way second more vote. second place. Way more way, second Way place. more. Like some people just didn't include Yossi in their top five. Mm-hmm. It's just weird. I know. I, I'd be curious to see who didn't and why. Uh, I think Jeff Merrick had him like fifth or sixth. He said he had him fifth, but I see that there's no fifth place vote, so he probably didn't even have them have him in there. Hmm. Yossi? Yeah. Wow. I think great. he voted, he said Makar, Hedman, McAvoy, Ekblad, and then Yost. A lot, lot of Ekblad love for like the third, fourth that I that I saw. I don't hate that because he was he just pretty good. He just missed a lot. Yeah. yeah he had a sick year. So. And the guy I was trying to say, Andrew Poturalski, Chicago Wolves, is right on that. 101 points in 71 AHL games this year. But he's always 28. Yeah. So, yeah. Maybe he's the next bunting. Who knows? The next bunting has got to be from the Sioux that played in Arizona. That's the next bunting. Whoever that may be. no one, there's no one like that. From that the exists. Sioux that played in, like that was such a specifically good case study for the Leafs. Like Arizona, obviously not keen on bunting for, for whatever reason. reason when he was clearly pretty good, and then his relationship with Kyle Dubas from ten years ago. Sioux St. Marie, they drafted him two years after his OHL draft year. Yeah, so like, again, that's it's a great connection that they use. So yeah, look up old Sault Ste. Marie rosters. Who are we who are we picking up this off season? Did Phil Kessel play for Sault Ste. Marie? No, he did not. Oh, it's close. Is there any chance we sign Phil Kessel? I don't. I so. take a flyer on him. Like, man, he's not going to want to come back. Here. He'll want to come back here. He had, he had some great times here. Randy's not here. Yeah, Steve Simmons <laughs> is still here. Uh, <laughs> just I'm just going to say it, but. Anywho, any other memories we had from from this season? The jersey tosses on the ice Edmonton all, and Toronto. The all all Toronto? every single Canadian team had a jersey toss yeah. this year. Early, Early in the year. In the year. Oh, San Jose like game, I think it was. It was like six know, games. That Everyone quit on the team after like seven games or they whatever. Right. <laughs> they were right. They were right. Saved themselves a lot. Just Durkin's another one. That was a sick year. I am curious to see how much he can Replicate the He level. should have been unanimous Vesna. Like oh, he wasn't? No. Someone gave oh, Freddie yeah. Anderson yeah, a first crazy. place. Come on. Come on. That is crazy. It was Don Waddell. He wanted to boost his trade value. That's and then crazy. there was one other weird one in there, too. Or Sorokin. Like, yeah. I mean, Sorokin did have a sick but year. He played like 40 games. But 52, yeah. 
yeah, still. It was Shesterkin too. Like he he was he was unreal this year. So uh yeah, it's really all I had from this season. Very long, pretty exciting, a little bit boring at times simply because there was just breaks one and no break. hockey. There was a period where the Leafs were only playing twice a week for like a month, right? No fans in the stadium again. Finally got that back. Uh, yeah, you had a point. Barrett Hayden used to play on Sault Ste. Marie. <laughs> He's an RFA for the Arizona Coyotes. If they don't qualify him, who knows? You know what, what pick he was? <laughs> Fifth overall. Fifth. <laughs> I was just saying, hey, I found a connection. Um, I was going to actually ask before we, before we wrap up. Early Stanley Cup prediction for 22-23. God, the, the rosters aren't even. <laughs> I'm just flip. Like, I'm looking into the future. If I had to put a dollar down right now, Vegas. Ooh, that actually is a very good one. Um, that's a good one. I'll say, f- I'll say the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think Colorado's going to win, like, two for sure, maybe three cups in the next six, seven years. That would be mine. May, pro- I could see them back-to-back 100%. They should. They need to. They, they, yeah, they should. They're a good enough team. They should do it. I don't want any more back to back. And in, and in the East, Toronto is if Tampa Tampa Bay is also sorry. I, I didn't bring this up earlier. They have cap space. It doesn't look like it on cap friendly because they have Brett Seabrook signed at six point eight seven five million, but he's on LTIR, and so basically they have five million dollars in cap space to sign Palat or Paul, and they basically have their entire team back from that this year. I think Tampa might. There might be like a. At some point, they're going to run out of some gas. Yes. It actually was right now. They just did run out of yes. gas. Like, but they're still a tough team I to think play. Toronto's still the most talented team in the East, so we'll see. Yeah, but look, look, at, look at the other teams. Carolina is Carolina's not the, the juggernaut that a lot of people were, on Twitter make yeah. them out. They're just not. They clearly have some they just get a Ross, lot, They just get a lot more shots than the other team. And that looks good on what? On, on paper. And, and we look at the analytics, like you said, the on numbers. paper. Great point. Rangers going to take a step back next year. Great goalie, but I think we all agree they're going to be not as good point-wise as this he year. pulls a Dominic Hasek and just for eight years decides. Hey, Lafreniere could take a step. I'm just saying. like Kako could take a step. Pittsburgh's done, I think. Kako could take a step out the door to another team. Yeah. Pittsburgh's <laughs> done. Yeah. Washington's done. At the end of the year. Yeah. That's, ooh, that's. Islanders may bounce back, but that's still not a great team. Mm-hmm. Columbus, New Jersey may be okay. Philly, no. Then you're just looking at Florida, Toronto, Tampa again. Boston's done. They might have one last drive. Bergeron is coming back. Bergeron is signing. Yeah. So that was news that came out. Buffalo stinks. Detroit stinks. Ottawa should be good. They're still not going to be good. And Montreal stinks. There's three good teams in the East, and they're all in the Atlantic. Mm -hmm. Same old song and dance. But hopefully we can get first place this year. That should be the goal. Didn't didn't really help us two years ago, but or last season. More banners, more banners. Yeah, more banners. <laughs> Anywho, any other closing points you guys had from this year? Think that uh, wraps it up. It Thanks. was a really good time. We be had better a good next time. year. We'll be see. better we'll next regroup. year. Regroup exactly. Next year we'll be right, right, no break, right back into it. In we say week. this is like the last episode of the season, but it's like we're we're back next week. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe even sooner. Start looking yeah. at free agency drafts. Exactly. Yeah. Free agency draft and back on the horse. 
Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, everyone, for a great season. We'll see you next week in a new season of the Rink Rat Report. Go Leafs, go.